If we talk about like the JavaScript ecosystem, I definitely think React is still king. And that's not to knock other things like Vue's amazing, Svelte's amazing. But it does seem like a lot of the ecosystem is React still. And Next.js definitely seems to be the most widely used meta framework if people are using a meta framework. All these different approaches and things that people are doing in their frameworks are helping push everyone forward, which I think is a good thing. Hey, this is Brian, and you're listening to Jamstack Radio, a bi-weekly series where we discuss modern web development with maintainers, founders, and developers. Jamstack Radio is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer-first startups. For more information, visit heavybit.com. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter, at Jamstack Radio. Welcome to the installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Nikki T Online, which I know you by Nikki T Online, but Nick Taylor. Hello, how are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing, B. Dougie? Uh, I am doing fantastic. I feel like uh, <laughs> I, I finally have a part of my calendar tomorrow where it's like no meetings. Uh, so it's like unfiltered work, uh, which will probably just me setting up meetings next week. That's like, that's basically <laughs> my job now is like, how can I do a meeting with somebody and, and get them to, to see a demo of open source? But less about me and more about you. Um, wanted to bring you on because you've got some interesting background within Next.js. So I, I wanted to actually spend this conversation talking about your experience in Next, but also looking forward to Next.js as well. Yeah. But before we jump into that part, could you just like tell the tell the listening audience if they don't know who you are, who are you? Yeah, so so I'm Nick Taylor. I'm currently a senior software engineer at a company called OpenSauce that you might know, B-Dougie. Uh, I do. I've been in the web dev space professionally since like 2002. A lot of work in .NET initially, but I pivoted towards open source and like full stack JavaScript stuff, kind of like 2016, and you know got in early on some things. So like I've been using TypeScript since 2015, React since about that time as well, and since 2020, I've been working professionally in open source, which has been awesome because uh, I love working with the community, love working out in the open, and to be able to get paid for that is super awesome. So it started off at Dev2, which some folks probably know. Um, more recently, I was at Netlify. I was working on the frameworks team over there. And uh, we can definitely talk about that. And now I'm over at Open Source, working in open source again, and uh, just loving the ride. Yeah, and I originally was aware of you when you were at Dev.2 slash now forum. And um, yeah, curious about like, what was the world like when you were working as an employee for an open source company? I guess open source first company. Like, how did you manage contributions, and did you take a lot of contributions for folks outside? Yeah, we did. Uh, fun fact: I was the first contributor outside of the core team to the project, and my contributions there are pretty much what got me hired there. But in the early days, I think there was like less of a product roadmap. And so people would be like, hey, can we add this? And then like we'd be like, sure, just pop it in. And you know, if you don't have a clear plan of what you want to put in your product, it can come back to bite you. So we kind of pivoted a bit there to just we we did get a product roadmap and stuff. But having said that, like we still got quite a few external contributors. Uh, we we used to stream quite a bit, me and my old coworker Christina Gordon, and we'd do like live coding sessions with people just interested in the project. And there was a lot of buzz around it and people really enjoyed contributing to it. And I think 
a lot of that, aside from it being like a popular open source project, was we were a small team at, at the time in the early days, and there was a lot of just really great energy, kind of kind of the same energy I feel like right now at Open Source, where it's like it's exciting. We're a tiny team, and we're just shipping stuff, and it's it's just like a a really fun time right now. And I think it's just kind of a combination of all that that got people in the community really excited about the project. And I, I see the same thing in open source as well. It's the same thing. I know you've been, you were at GitHub before, but you were always like, I used to catch your streams and you'd be working out in the open, just building out parts of open source. And you could always see people were excited about that too. And I think that energy is kind of kept with the project, which is really nice to see. Yeah, it, it's it definitely has been interesting and and like because open source like as a idea has been around since 2017. At least the URL has been around since 2017, and uh, open that is. And the the one thing that we did decide last summer when we 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 wanted to figure out like okay, uh, and I say we because like I I hired a team. Uh, we took in some some investment, and I wanted to make sure we started the project in a way that had good foundation, but also would attract. Interest and talent and contributions, so we made the decision to use Tailwind and Next.js. Okay, and the thing I noticed was at that time in last summer or even like years prior, like during the pandemic, it's like Next.js and Tailwind. I could always find someone who could speak that type of language or that that framework, um, interact, uh, but also we didn't have to like go back and forth and like structure and like whether we're using. SAS or SCSS or post CSS. Yeah, like yeah. All those decisions I didn't want to have in the open with a team that was just not going to, sh- like the challenge open source, like folks don't come back, they're not guaranteed to come back for a second contribution. Yeah. So if you make one contribution, can you make impact and then leave without basically killing the project or making it deprecated? Yeah. So this current like app, open source, was my first, I guess, big production grade. Next.js project. And the, the decisions I made were Next.js, and I also chose Netlify because I had a connection to Netlify, and I knew Netlify was working on this like next runtime and build tooling. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know you worked on that at Netlify. So I was curious, like, can you explain a bit of that situation, how Next interacts with uh, Netlify? Because you, you assume Vercel, because Vercel is, is maintaining Next.js. Yeah, so you can deploy Next.js to other providers. Um, I know they have a dockerized version that you can use for deployment. They also have like a build output that you can consume. But I can't say for certain, but most of the other frameworks, like the major frameworks, have adapters. And that's how you, you're able to like deploy, for example, like Remix to Netlify to Vercel, et cetera. Same thing with you know other frameworks. Uh, and we ended up going for Next.js. There was an adapter that we created as well. We, we call it, well, I say we, um, I don't work there anymore, but it's basically called the Next Runtime at Netlify. And it's to provide a, a great experience for Next.js on Netlify. And it's an adapter of sorts. They're called build plugins, but I think they've gone away from the term build plugins. It's more like integrations and stuff. But at the core of it, you're deploying it to a serverless environment and you just have to make sure that everything it's the problems that you run into aren't necessarily with the front end of the application because the front end should just work because that's what's going on in the browser. Yeah. It's really making sure that 
because typically people are deploying to AWS, and that's where it goes under the hood for Netlify. So it's making sure like all the proper lambdas get created, like the static content and all that stuff goes on the CDN properly. And it's just, I would say, a bit of a complicated project. Like it's it's hard to go into like very granular details here, but there there definitely has been mentioned that. You know, I'm not just saying this because I work there, but like it's people on the internet say this too. Like they found it hard to deploy Next.js to other providers. I think Netlify is giving a pretty good experience and uh, it's getting better and better. So I think things are, are looking pretty good for it to be to other providers. I can't speak to the other ones like Render or uh, I don't know if anybody uses Heroku still, but like yeah. other environments like that. I think for Dockerized environments, it works kind of well, I think. I, I, I've never done it myself, so I can't speak to that. Yeah, so the, the concept of like bundling your, your next app alongside of Docker, like, so I know Heroku well, and I, I've shipped a bunch of React apps to Heroku, and like those build packs that Heroku had, it basically does some like after post-processing or build tooling to like make sure the server connects to your node server or to whatever, or your server-side rendering experience. Yeah. So it sounds like, Netlify has that sort of abstracted. You said they're not build packs. They're is it? It's not a runtime. It's integrations. Yeah, yeah. They they've gone with integrations. I think in general at Netlify now. But like to give some examples. Like for example, you have the next image component, and under the hood that does like image transformations and all that. And on the Vercel platform, for example, not positive, but I think they use ImageX, and so like that's what's provided there. Currently at Netlify, if you're using the next image, it uses a project called IPX. This came out of the Vue community, I believe. And so that's what handles the, the transformations. And it uses a, a library called Sharp that other projects have used too, like Gatsby. So there's stuff like that. Like So for example, when you have a next image that's being transformed, it's a specific URL. And then when that URL gets hit, on Netlify, it will transform it using IPX by making sure it goes to the proper service to do that. It's just kind of making sure that things fit where they should, you know, at a high level, I guess. Cool. And then will you join you join Netlify specifically to work on this problem? Yeah. Well, uh, to be honest, I loved what Netlify was doing. I've been a big fan of them since 2017, which I think is. I don't know if you were still there at that point, but um, yeah, I, I was out in 2018. Okay, yeah, I just liked what they were doing, and honestly, uh, I, I think uh, for myself, I was there. Like, I think it's time to go from Dev to. I had a had a great experience there, but I was looking for other opportunities, and I just came across it, and I saw this role, and I was like, oh, it's uh, you know, Node.js and TypeScript, and I had previously, before working at Netlify, like I had worked in a lot of front-end stuff, and I was familiar with the frameworks, but I had never worked on the underpinnings of frameworks. So I, I just thought it sounded like an interesting challenge. So I was not like a frameworks author before or contributing to frameworks in that regard. So yeah, I just kind of took it as an interesting challenge at a company that I was a big fan of because I had a chance to interview some people when I was on the Dev2 stream. So I got to hang out with Jason Langsdorf, Cassidy Williams, Ben Hong, and they all seemed like awesome people. And that just really resonated with me in terms of like wanting to go work there. So it's really more like new opportunity and challenges and working also like in the serverless space because I wasn't doing that at Dev2 because 
I was focused mainly on the front end there, and it's a Rails monolith in the back end, so there wasn't really much opportunity to, at least in my day-to-day work, work on anything serverless. So it's kind of a combo of all that. Cool, cool, excellent. Yeah, so I, I did want to spend some time talking about like what's next with Next, and uh, we just came out of NextConf. Yeah. So Next 14 was announced. Uh, the biggest thing was performance. Uh, not a ton of different features. Yeah. But I know Next 13 had a ton of different features that were kind of half baked and still sort of going through the process. So, what's your thoughts on this this new new release uh, and the performance updates? But also, what's your your thought of? You think Next still has a foothold in the React ecosystem and community? Yeah. No. It's a, all, all great questions. When Next 13 came out, some things weren't stable right away like the app router came out and you know they were still working on some things but people were excited about it and it's it's just it was a change from what they had previously which which still exists and you can still use we actually use it at open source right now we're using what's called the pages router but the app router was the big thing that came out with next 13 and that provided you things like nested layouts, and then you have this concept of React server components that the React team has been working on. And then there's it's kind of all a blur, like where features came in because like I was like you know supporting these things every day. So, but like there's the React server components now, RSCs as they're called. There's server actions that exist now, which I don't think are experimental anymore. And this is. If if you caught for folks who caught any of the Next.js conf, there was Sam Selikoff who had a demo, and then there's a SQL statement in a component where people just kind of lost their minds, like, what are you doing? Yeah. It was a trivial example. And just for context, it was using a, a template function that makes sure there's no SQL injection. But the whole point, I think, was just to show a simple example of what you could do. It wasn't to say like, Everybody scream at me, SQL injection. Yeah, which is what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but uh, you know, the internet's going to be the internet. But the release for NextConf 14, it did seem a little underwhelming, but I don't mean that in a negative way. Like what you're saying, for example, like there's a lot of performance improvements. So, like the dev server, there was people were saying like it was really slow. Um, so that got a lot of improvements. They've been working on uh, Turbo Pack, which is. Uh, it's a product they acquired. Well, no, they acquired Turbo Repo from Jared Palmer. Yeah, and then I think Turbo Pack came out of Vercel. I don't think that came into Vercel. Well, they they also hired Tobias from Webpack as well. So oh, yeah. like the the Turbo Repo and Webpack combo, it started to make a little more sense. Yeah. Um, further further away from those acquisitions and, and hiring. Yeah, so that's not necessarily Next.js specific, but that was announced last year at NextConf when Next13 came out. And for folks who don't really dig into how your framework builds and stuff, uh, Next.js is still using Webpack under the hood. This is something that a lot of frameworks were using, like Gatsby uses this still. I think they're trying to move away from it. You know, A lot of people have moved towards Vite now. Yeah, Remix has announced their sort of Vite migration. Yeah, uh, as well as uh, Redwood is now also on Vite as well. Yeah, exactly. So it seems like all the frameworks are going towards Vite, except for Next.js because uh, they've been focusing on Turbo Pack, and, and like you said, Tobias, who who created Webpack, is there as well. So like, this is like a, a Rust-based version of a, a bundler and all kind of tooling like Webpack, but uh, promises to be faster. But that's still being worked on, as far as I know. Like you can use it today. 
I think if you're running, like for example, if you run the dev server, if you run npm run dev space dash dash turbo, it'll use turbo pack, I believe. I, I don't know if you have to download turbo pack or if that's something built into Next.js for the dev server. But the, the one big thing that does look really exciting out of the next 14 releases, it's still an experimental, like kind of preview-ish, but it's called partial pre-rendering. So there's some videos uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you uh, after the podcast that we can put in the show notes. But from my understanding, so like prior to partial pre-rendering, you could have static content generated, you know, like at build time. So like this particular page, it's static, so it'll just generate whatever the markup it's going to have, and then that's what will get loaded. And you know you can still have interactions and stuff, but it's essentially like a static page. And with the partial pre-rendering, you can still have static content. So like when you go to the page, it loads up super fast, but you'll end up with these sections where uh, like if you're using like React Suspense, uh, from what I understood, the fallback it will be what gets generated in the static content, so like your skeleton loaders and stuff. So that will be instantaneous, and then the dynamic data gets streamed in after, so it provides a, a better experience. So that that's my understanding of that feature. Feel free to uh, correct me on that internet once you <laughs> listen to this. But uh, yeah, it, it's funny because I, I definitely have some corrections in my picks of who people DM me after the fact, <laughs> like hey. You, you actually you're using it wrong, but no. <laughs> as far as like this uh, this partial pre rendering, that's I'm, I'm intrigued. I know the um, ISR was the thing that was before like incremental static site generation. So yeah, like the the thing that I was confused on with Next.js in the last year's launch is the operator was meant to centralize like how you're basically using rendering and stuff like that, server side rendering versus static rendering, like client rendering. But I still feel like it's kind of still kind of confusing. To this day, is that has that cleared up at all? Yeah, well, I think, and to be clear, I haven't worked with React server components a lot yet, aside from like a few Hello World things. But I think there's just confusion around React server components, and some people still aren't sold on them. Uh, I'm still, I, I, I want to do like a real deep dive into them myself to just give a really good opinion about it, but. The main thing is with the app router, you have React server components by default, and those will get rendered on the server side, but you can also fetch data in those components, and then that data can be you know, passed along in the component tree from what I've understood. But if you want to go with something interactive, like uh, on the client side, you have to specifically opt into a component being used for the client side. So you have this directive, which is a string you put at the top of the file. That that's the component. You'll say like use client in quotes, uh, use space client, and that gives you that interactivity there. So I think there's still confusion around those things, and I know there's been a lot of. Uh, I'll I'll drop it in the show notes after, but. Ben Holmes did a really great deep dive on React server components. He had Dan Abramov on his stream a few months ago, and they built like a a small implementation of a React server component server, I believe, or framework. And that was it was just interesting to you know go into the details because one of the things that people have criticized is that the only implementation of React server components has been Next.js. But that's not true anymore. Uh, like as we were talking briefly about Redwood JS, Redwood JS has implemented React server components. It's not 
in the production release yet, I don't think. I was, I was speaking to Amy Dutton on the core team there, and I think they're still behind a flag or it's like an alpha version. But I remember hearing Tom Press and Warner talk about like, if this is what React's going with, this is what we want to go with. So they're definitely going that route too. Remix is moving towards React server components as well, but there's some controversy about the React version being used in Next.js. It's, it's a Canary version, and there's some confusion around that, but like for Remix, they said it'll probably show up in Remix version 3 because they want to use it with a stable version of React. That's what I understood over there. And then the Canary version of React, it's like Next.js pulls, I think they even pull in a specific version into the build of Next.js. Like it's not, they're not NPM installing React when they build it, I believe. So they work closely with the React team, obviously. Uh, and I, I've listened to a bunch of podcasts about this and it's not like it was a conspiracy or anything. It's really, I, I say this as somebody who's worked at a, somewhere else. It's really been, these things have been in the works for the React uh, project for a while. And they've just been working closely with Next.js from what I understood, just because they were interested in looking at implementing it potentially. But I can't speak to conversations with other frameworks and all that because I, I just, I don't have those conversations. I mean, as an outsider, it looks as if the React core team's in bed with Vercel, but in reality is like Vercel's has put a lot of investment inside the React ecosystem, like for better or for worse. And their interest or it's in their best interest to like see things advance. So like I implemented suspense in open source in like 2019 uh, when it was still experimental. Yeah. Like we only just got suspense like last year out of experimental or I don't know when it, when it actually launched, but because I was using it for so long. Yeah. But like when you have a framework that's being used by folks other than just the Facebook platform, React originally started as, okay, it's just a cool thing that Facebook ended up using. Now Meta is leveraging in projects, but now everyone else wants access to the roadmap and conversation and, and thought. And I think those who raise their hand and, and request access and privilege and secret meetings, like whether they're secret or public or it's open source. Anyway, it sounds like I'm going to bat for Vercel, which I am. Like The one thing I, I, I talk to like the Vue team, I talk to React team, I talk to a bunch of folks, when you request feedback for releases, request feedback for RFCs, a lot of times you just get a lot of noise, you don't get a lot of feedback. Mm -hmm. And I think if a company is going to provide feedback and salaries uh, for folks that continue to work on this stuff, then I'd say so be it. But I guess my follow-up question to like that rant is like, where do you see React and Next moving forward? Because like I think I saw a number, it was actually Lori Voss um, in like the Jamstack um, survey last year. Okay, yeah. I, I forgot the number, but it was like 80% of all React apps in the production are next apps. And that was this was last year's numbers. I don't know what this year is. Yeah. But then React is like making up a good amount. Like it's approaching where WordPress is like 30 to 40% of the web. A lot of that's also React. Uh, so React is like personally 15 to 20% of the web is React apps. So mm -hmm. do you see React being the next WordPress? Even though WordPress is like a CMS, it's not it's not apples to apples. Yeah, I, I I don't see React disappearing anytime soon. You know, there's been talks about like, can we put JSX in the browser and stuff? And like, I don't know about that. But like, if we talk about like the JavaScript ecosystem, I definitely think that React is still king. And that's not, I don't mean that to 
knock other things like views amazing, felt's amazing, but it does seem like a lot of the ecosystem is is React still. And Next.js, you know, I don't have numbers handy or anything, but it it definitely seems to be the most widely used meta framework if people are using a meta framework because there are you know, depending on how old your app is, you might actually still be using Create React app. You might be on a bespoke thing. Like some people run it with like you know Express and just like bundling the front end and stuff. But uh, but if you're in Meta Framework land, I, I think Next.js is the one there right now. And the nice thing too about having the other frameworks and even other things like Solid JS, which isn't necessarily a React framework. All these different approaches and things that people are doing in their frameworks are helping push everyone forward, which I think is a good thing. You know, it's just nice to see in the ecosystem, at least. Yeah, I feel like um, this sort of uh, decision fatigue that you you get when like choosing the next framework, uh, like the next framework, pun not intended. <laughs> but the decision the fatigue of like choosing JavaScript frameworks. I don't know if it's as maybe because I'm, I've got enough years. I started doing React around the same time you did, okay. so like my default is React. Like I don't think I need to learn another framework. Yeah, because uh, I'm now at the point as an engineer where now I'm, I'm leading a company. I'm just like tinkering with bugs, and I'm not actually building features. So yeah, I'm indifferent on the future of what framework is chosen. But also, I appreciate the current state of React and and Next that it's mature enough that. We can just know it's going to still be there. Yeah, but I did see one one tweet recently of um, the features that everyone's excited about, like coming out of like this React ecosystem, are basically features that we're just missing in React for years, and like we're we're getting excited about stuff that was table stakes and other other frameworks. Yeah, yeah, uh, like things like server uh, React server components. I guess we were promised a bill of goods years ago with client rendering and like as things were evolving. And I don't think we'll ever be able to please everyone because if you think about 2015, like we're barely coming into like adoption at AWS and all these other places to host and all these other tooling. Like it's hard to look in the past and think of like what we didn't have as far as like ecosystem and infrastructure. Yeah. And then take that lens today and be like, oh, well, React is only just now figuring this out. But I don't know. It, it seems like we, patience could be like the thing, but like yeah. maybe the web moves too fast. Yeah, well, the other thing too, it's nice having meta frameworks these days because, like, I always used to be the person at a company that was configuring Webpack for like a React boilerplate project or something. And these are things you don't even have to think about now. You can still, like, for example, in Next.js, you can still tap into Webpack if you need to, but like, generally, there's no reason to unless you have some probably bespoke thing that you need to tweak or something. But it's just, nice having meta frameworks like you said the decision fatigue like there's uh, i'm not a rails dev but like a lot of people like rails because it it is opinionated but it, it like it's consistent you know and i know we're not specifically talking about redwood but like redwood is likes that idea as well you know so like let's have a generator to say create a new component with all these things and i think another thing that's interesting about the frameworks in general including xjs is you know, you're talking about like, yeah, I just want to learn React now. But the thing too is people have become more product engineers in some cases. Like people might say that's full stack or whatever, but I I don't know if Lee Robinson coined it, but like I've heard him mention it before. But like I like that idea of a product engineer. And yes, you might be building stuff with React, but you also have to be aware of like how the web works now. 
you know, like you can still focus on just like literally just front end, but a lot of times, like for example, at open source, you know, like I'm kind of leading f- a lot of front end stuff there, but I'm doing back end stuff as well, you know, uh, you know, working on GitHub, like there's a, it's not just like, let's make nice things, you know, it's, yeah. it's a bunch of things. And I think it's important going forward that people understand stuff. Like I think you were mentioning, you know, like caching and all that stuff. Like these are things you have to be aware of now, you know, and like some of these things were kind of magic before in some cases, like, for example, like Next.js has this revalidate, which I guess still looks a little bit like magic, but you can also tap into the actual caching mechanisms now and stuff. Yeah, I mean, you just shipped a PR that removed magically removed two seconds of our initial page load, <laughs> which is like, it, literally, we had a wait that was two seconds. But like things like that, understanding like the actual end user, the, the user of the product and their experience. Yeah. And if you're building a feature, it's not just about getting a component, adding Tailwind. Uh, it is about how do you get the data like rendered in a timely fashion, but also make sure that it's actually up to date and valid data, um, and that we're not looking at stuff that's like could be again revalidated. Yeah, there's a there's a fuller picture, and I think the challenge I've had, uh, even like in hiring or even like this um, working with folks in open source and contributing, is like everyone wants to be a front end engineer because that's what they went to the boot camp for. Yeah, but I'm always trying to push folks to think just beyond just React components because it's 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 one thing about like working in a sandbox or in a, a design system and like getting stuff to look pretty. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta like think through how it's gonna work at the end of the day. So yeah. I, I did want to wind down the picks, but I wanted to ask you the question of if you start a new project today, a product that's gonna have users, like what's the framework you choose? This is this is kind of hard just because like I've been working with all of them previously, but if I was in the React ecosystem, I would definitely reach for Remix or Next.js probably right now. They're both really good options, you know. And uh, it's kind of hard to say. It's kind of like, uh, hey Nick, who's your favorite kid? You know, <laughs> just because I've been kind of close to a lot of these projects, but they're all really. There's really a lot of great options right now. But I think those are the two I'd probably go with right now. They're both very capable. And again, I'm talking specifically React ecosystem. Like Next.js is amazing if you're in the Vue ecosystem, for example. But yeah, that's where I would probably head to. You can't go wrong with either, I don't think. Cool, excellent. Thanks for chatting about Next.js with me, Nick. I do want to transition us to picks. Uh, so these would be things we're jamming on, things that keep us going and that we're excited about. And uh, if you don't mind, I'll go first. And actually, the first pick I'll have is actually the Open Source API, uh, API to Open Source I'd love for folks to build stuff on top of it and validate that it's possible. I know Becca's been working a lot on specifically the documentation of open source in general. Mm-hmm. But if folks want to help with actually building stuff in open source and helping in the docs there, definitely reach out. My DMs are open. And uh, hello at opensauce.pizza is our email. Second pick is going to be Resend for emails. Resend is basically a React email. Uh, React email came out of uh, an engineer from WorkOS, uh, Zeno. Okay. He is working on now a company to help send emails. And I remember working at Netlify years ago and leveraging things like SendGrid and, and Postmark. And SendGrid's like, it's great when you're, like, you're working in like a sort of Django or, or Rails app. There's a lot of cool SDKs mm-hmm. and, and Ruby gems to help you uh, get on block quickly. But when working in React applications or full stack Node apps, not as... Well thought through. Like maybe it is today, but not when I, I was trying this like eight years ago. Okay. And then Postmark was like the answer of like this drop in some 
some interactions to be able to like have your email templates within app. Okay. Uh, and then set up some like some weird build pack stuff uh, <laughs> inside of Heroku to make sure these things get sent. Basically, what I'm getting at is like there's a lot of options out there. Recent is like the cleanest and it's been the nicest. And I think it's it now has the opportunity of like coming in so much later from all these other solutions and getting to say, like, okay, today and at the time 2022. Let's build a thing that looks great uh, for people to like for modern web developers. So they do have that sort of advantage of being the last mover. Okay. But at Open Source, we've been using Recent. We just sent out an email to a bunch of people. Uh, apologize if it looked like spam. <laughs> uh, we're working on that. <laughs> but yeah, so we've been uh, yeah we've been working on Recent for at this point the, the past year, and it's it's been great. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I've got a couple picks. So they're not necessarily all tech related. So I, I work out in the mornings, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and like everybody's sleeping still when I start working out. So I have headphones when I'm working out and I'm doing it over Zoom with some people. And I got a pair of like AirPods and like Beats Pro. They're all amazing. They sound amazing. I got a pair and I don't know what's up with my ears, but like I like I went for a walk. They were perfect. I did one workout and they kept falling out. And so like, I, I think my ears just need ear hooks. So I found a pair, they're from Soundcore, they're, they're Sport X10, they're a little older, but admittedly the sound isn't as good as like Beats or like AirPods, but it's still pretty decent and they never fall off my ears. So big fan. The other thing I want to shout out is I use it pretty much all the time. You probably seeing my PRs, I'm dropping images all the time or like uh, GIFs or short videos and clean shots, my go-to for that. And big fan of it. So Nice. Yeah, I, I definitely would recommend a clean shot. I've, I've used it quite a bit for like some examples, but I always go back into like this Mac screenshots and polish them up <laughs> in some sort of like quick editor. Uh, also, I'll mention, I use the Power Beats because uh, I'm sim- I, I can't use this regular AirPods when working out or running or anything active. Okay, like even like just eating a sandwich. Sometimes the AirPods just like fall out because <laughs> like my my jaw and ear move. So I, I'm with you with the with the ear hooks. Uh, definitely gotta gotta wear ear hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also mentioned I've got one last pick, which I'm just gonna slide this in. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of Vince Staples recently. Okay, Vince Staples is a local Oakland rapper. I don't know if he's still out here in the Bay or if he's out in the suburbs or whatnot, but uh. He he had like a the North North song that went big a couple years ago. Okay, I did not realize how funny this guy is. He's been showing up in like podcasts uh, and interviews, and he's just like a hilarious guy. Okay, okay. Someone's asking him like if he does DoorDash. He's like, no, I don't do DoorDash. And they asked him why. He's like, I don't want people to know where I live. <laughs> he's like, even DoorDash, but no, he's he's just hilarious. And like every situation is just like comedy for him, and I, it comes through in his music. So Vince Staples, uh, more of up and coming younger rapper out of Oakland. Cool, cool. I, I bring this up because someone was mentioned um, uh, when I was at the I was at the, actually at the Weird Flex. I was at the Warriors game last night when uh, Draymond <laughs> <laughs> was choking out Rudy Gobert, and all the music was basically all Oakland hip hop from like the '90s and 2000s. Okay, and someone remarked of like, "Does Oakland not have any new music?" And uh, I met, I mentioned Vince Staples is from Oakland, so okay, yes, but not a lot of folks knew that. Ah, cool, cool. Yeah, I'm gonna. Pop it on my playlist on Spotify. Give it a go. All right. Yeah, check it out. And uh, thanks again for the chat. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. And uh, folks, keep spreading the jam. That's all we have time for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. This show is brought to you by Heavybit, the leading investor and developer for startups. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. 